My mother had an issue about belts when I was growing up. According to her, if you didn't have your belt on, you were not properly dressed. And one day I went out of the house without my belt on, and my mother said to me, get back in here and get your belt on. You're not going to go out of this house half-dressed. <laughs> now, how the absence of a belt meant I was half-dressed, I was not sure. But my mom was a youper girl, and so I went back in and put my belt on. And very clearly, she had a pet peeve about wearing belts. Now, as far as I know, there's no verse of scripture that says you're not properly dressed without a belt on. <laughs> or is there? How about the belt of truth? Are you properly dressed without the belt of truth? Well, according to the Bible, we are not properly dressed without the belt of truth. In fact, without it, we cannot stand against Satan's schemes. You see, it's not just a matter then of going outside half-dressed. According to the Bible, without the belt of truth on, we are living in this world vulnerable, exposed to danger, and defenseless against Satan. And so the belt of truth is a very big deal for Christians. Now this morning we are continuing in our series on the whole armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. And we come today to this great and wonderful truth on the belt of truth. And I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to begin this morning by reading just verse 13 and then part of verse 14 as we look at what God has for us from his word today. And so notice the truth of God's word, Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now this morning, I want to do three things in this message. I want to look at the importance of the leather belt for Roman soldiers. Then I want to see the meaning of the belt of truth for us as Christians. And then, as we always must do, I want to make some practical application to our lives as we think about what this means for us. So let's begin with the importance of a soldier's leather belt. Now, verse 14 literally reads this way. Stand, therefore, girding your waist with truth. That's the literal rendering. Girding your waist with truth. The word belt is added by the translators to help us understand it. You see, the Ephesians were used to seeing Roman soldiers on a regular basis, but we are not. And so when Paul talked about this girding of the waist, they knew exactly what he was referring to. There were two types of belts that a Roman soldier would wear. The first was a leather girdle put on under the breastplate. 
We could describe it like a weightlifter's belt. It was about six to eight inches wide. It went over the short tunic and it held the breastplate firmly in place. Uh, this week I was talking with somebody about this and they made an interesting quip. They said, no wonder Roman soldiers were so slim and trim, they were all wearing girdles. And if that image helps you, then that's sort of the idea here. And it was the very first piece of equipment a soldier would put on. The second type of belt was the sword belt. It was buckled over the bottom of the breastplate. It was more like the leather belts that we wear. And it held the sheath for the Roman soldier's dagger. Now, there were no more important pieces of armor than we read here in verse 14. You see, if the breastplate was sloppy and it was loose, then the vital organs were exposed and you were in grave danger if they were exposed. If the sword was dangling and insecure, a soldier could not grab it effectively for up-close fighting. So, to gird your waist means then your armor was in place and you were ready for battle. You were ready to engage the enemy. But if your waist was not girded, you were relaxed and at ease. Your armor was not on and therefore you were not ready for battle. Now I want you to think about this this morning. The effective use of all the rest of the armor of God depends upon having firmly the belt of truth in its place. Think about that. You cannot use the rest of the armor unless the belt is firmly, firmly in place. Now, what is the meaning of the belt then for Christians? Let's move from what it was like for the Roman soldier to the meaning for us. And there are two ideas involved in the belt of truth for every Christian. Number one, it is learning the truth. Learning the truth of the gospel, the teachings of the Bible, and Christian living, we might call this the objective side of the belt of truth. Now, Bible students believe that the meaning of the weapons revealed here in Ephesians 6 are revealed earlier in the letter to the Ephesians. So this is very helpful for us. The key then to the armor of God is to recognize that Paul is summarizing and he is applying themes that he had taught earlier in Ephesians. For example, in Ephesians 1.13, he says, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In Ephesians 4.21, he says, you were taught the truth as it is in Jesus. So there clearly the belt of truth then is learning, it is being taught the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the teachings of the Bible and Christian living. That's the objective side of the belt of truth. But there is also a subjective side. The subjective side is living the truth. Living the truth of the gospel, living the truth of the teachings of the Bible, living the truth of Christian living. 
Look back with me for just a moment at chapter 4, and I want you to notice verse 15. And notice what he says here about truth here. Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head that is into Christ. Now clearly here, this is talking about living the truth, isn't it? We're to speak the truth to each other in love. And as we do that, it enables us to grow up into Christ spiritually so that we are living our lives like Jesus would. Look over at verse 25 in chapter 4 and notice a similar thought. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Now here, what's it talking about? Living honestly, living truthfully, not living falsely, but living our lives in accordance with the truth that has been taught us in the gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice two things. The belt of truth is learning the truth. And living the truth. Let me ask you this morning, are those two things coming together in your life and mine? Are we learning the truth and then living out the truth? That's when we are prepared to meet the enemy. When those things are coming together in our Christian walk. Now, as we think about this this morning, there are some very, very important applications to our lives that come out of this. Very, very important. And so let's talk this morning about the application of the belt of truth for Christians. And I want to give three applications this morning, and I trust these will be as helpful to you as they have been to me in my life as I have thought about this. Here's the first one. The belt of truth is a powerful defense against Satan. The belt of truth is a powerful defense against Satan. Here's what Jesus said about Satan in John 8:44. He said he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks of his own character. For he is a liar, says Jesus, and the father of lies. Now, follow this. What is the belt of truth? It is learning the truth. And it is living the truth. What did Jesus say Satan opposes? Those very two things. Those very two things. So when you have the belt of truth on... You have an incredible defense against Satan. You see, Satan opposes us learning the truth. Jesus said about him, he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Let me say, share a, a couple of statements, powerful statements with you that have been made by pastors and Satan knows these statements very, very well. And that's why he opposes what these two pastors said. Here's the first one. Pastor Dwight Moody said this, This book will keep you from sin. 
or sin will keep you from this book. Do you think Satan knows that? Of course he does. And then another pastor said this, I've never met a useful Christian who wasn't a student of the Bible. I've never met a useful Christian, said this pastor, who was not a student of the Bible. Now Satan knows both of those things. He knows this book will keep you from sin, and therefore he opposes you learning this book. And he knows if you learn this book, you will be useful in the lives of others. Therefore, he opposes this book because he does not want you to be useful. And so Satan will do everything he can to keep us from learning the truth because he does not want us to be a healthy Christian, does he? He doesn't want that. And so he opposes the truth. And then Jesus said, Satan opposes us living the truth. Satan opposes us living the truth. When he lies, said Jesus, he speaks of his own character. For he is a liar and he is a father of lies. So here's what happens. If Satan cannot keep us from learning the truth, he will encourage us to compromise the truth, won't he? That's what he will do. When Jesus says in John 8, 44, he does not stand in the truth, that could be translated in this way, he does not stand in his integrity. Satan does not stand in his integrity. What happened with Satan? Well, he knew the truth, didn't he? He was a perfect angel. But he turned away from the truth. He turned away from the integrity of following the truth. And he became false. And that's what he wants to do in the life of every Christian. He will encourage us to engage in false, hypocritical, or inconsistent living. If he can, he will drive a wedge between what we say we believe and how we actually live. Bible teacher Spiros Zodiades put it this way. Listen to what he said. Satan is the father of lies. And he tempts us to live hypocritical lives. Saying one thing and living another. He wants us to live one way on Sunday morning and a totally different way during the week. He tempts us to be dishonest. And once we are not authentic, once we are not the real thing, then we will let all kinds of harmful and sinful ways creep into our lives. And we will convince ourselves, often nobody knows, I'm getting by with this. My life seems to be working okay, even though I know there's this inconsistency in what I say versus what I do. And Satan has us exactly where he wants us. Because he knows the belt is not on. 
And if the belt is not on, we do not have a defense against him. Now here's the second application that is so important for us today. Number two. The belt of truth is working when our living and our believing are united. The belt of truth is working when our living and our believing are united. You see, it's very simple this morning, really. If you would say to me, Pastor Brian, do you have the belt of truth on? Here's, here's the question. Is my believing and my living united? How do you know if you have the belt on? Is your living and your believing united? Look over at chapter 5 here in Ephesians and notice verses 8 through 10. Notice verses 8 through 10. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Let me ask you, what do you see in those verses? Well, in verse 8, we have come to the light of the Lord. We have come to his truth and to his salvation. Now, according to verse 9, we are producing the fruit of the light, and you will notice that the word right and true in verse 9, that's the fruit of the light, what is right and true, those are the same words for the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, the very same words. So what is going on here? Our walk and our talk are united. We've come to the light of the Lord, now we're producing the fruit of that light. Our walk and our talk are united. Did you know this is the goal of the entire Christian life? Did you know that? Do I know that? The reason the Lord saved us is so that we might increasingly live a life in which our walk and our talk are united. The Apostle James says this in James 1.4. He says that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And the word complete there means whole. Having all of its parts complete in every part, no division between believing and living because we have integrated the truth into our lives. That is the goal of Christian living. It is so living and so working and so striving and so trusting and so obeying that the truth is being integrated into our living. Here's the way one person has put it. To live at home day by day what I profess in church on the Lord's day, this is victory. What does victory look like in your life? What does it look like in my life? To live at home day by day what I profess to believe in church on the Lord's day, this is victory. And why is this victory? 
Because when our living and our believing are integrated in our life, we are wearing the belt of truth. And that is a life of victory. Now I want to stop here just for a moment and ask some questions I think that I need to consider. And I think all of us need to consider. And here are some of these questions. There are many that I could ask, but let me just ask these. Do I read the Bible on Sunday, but neglect it the rest of the week? Do I do that? If so, my belt is sloppy. And eventually, it's going to be revealed that I'm not a person of the book. The scriptures do not mark my life. And eventually, it's going to become obvious that the word of God is not really doing its work of transforming me. I've got a sloppy belt on. Or how about this question? Am I nice on Sunday, but mean during the week? Am I mean at home? Am I mean where I work? Am I mean in the neighborhood? I knew a Sunday school teacher who was very moody. When he was up, he would treat you well. When he was down, he would not treat you so well. And he had a sloppy belt on. And eventually, if we're mean during the week, we're going to be mean on Sunday. Eventually, it's going to come out. Because we have a sloppy belt on. Or, or how about this question? Are we pure on Sunday, filling our mind with the truth? And impure the rest of the week, filling our mind with sin? If we are, that's eventually going to trip us up. The Bible is very clear. What we fill our mind with is eventually going to come out in the way we live. And if we are pure on Sunday, but impure the rest of the week, our belt is sloppy. And that's going to trip us up. There's no question about that. Now you might say to me this morning, Pastor Brian, what can we do about this? What can we do to make our believing and our living united so that what we believe is being integrated into our life? Well, let me give you the comments of a couple of very helpful people that have helped me. Here's what Pastor Chuck Swindoll said about his wife. He said, I always admired this about Cynthia. She always tells me the truth, even when it hurts. The truth is what sets you free. Do you have someone in your life like that? Do you have somebody who will tell you the truth about yourself even when it hurts? 
Because you know, if I don't know the truth, I cannot be free. I cannot be free. We have to hear the truth even when it hurts. If our believing and living are to be united. And then here is a helpful comment from the English poet John Donne. He said this, sleep with clean hands. Either kept clean all day by integrity or washed clean at night by repentance. If we want to unite our believing with our living, we must sleep with clean hands, and we do that by living all day in integrity. And when we break our integrity and dirty our hands, then at night we wash our hands with repentance. And sleeping with clean hands will bring our living and our believing together. Now there's a third application. Application number three. Satan's scheme is working when our living and our believing are divided. Satan's scheme is working when our living and our believing is divided. So this morning, if there is some inconsistency that we are tolerating in our life, and we know it, Satan is winning. He's winning. And he's going to use that hypocrisy to ruin us. Look at verse 26 of chapter 4 and notice what the Bible says here. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now what do you see here? What do you see? Well, isn't the temptation here to live an inconsistent and hypocritical life? And no wonder then, verse 27 says, the devil is seeking an opportunity, for that is his game. That's the way he works. He wants to divide what we believe from how we live by us tolerating unconfessed sin in our life. And he knows If he can drive that wedge into our lives, then his scheme is working. 
My old professor, Pastor Wearsby, said this. Listen to his words. A person of integrity with a clear conscience can face the enemy without fear. The belt also held the sword. Unless we practice the truth, we cannot use the word of truth. Once a lie gets into the life of a believer, everything begins to fall apart. For over a year, King David lied about his sin with Bathsheba, and nothing went right. Nothing went right. Let's all ask ourselves a question this morning. Anything right now in our life that is inconsistent with what we say we believe? Anything we think we're getting by with? Anything we think others don't know? Anything we think or we know is not right, but somehow my life is working and God will bless me. If that's true of us, who's winning? Who's winning? Satan is winning. And it is only going to be a matter of time. when we have a great fall. This last week, I read an incident that came out of Moody Monthly magazine. The incident was about a pastor who preached a sermon, Thou shalt not steal. And he impressed upon his audience the importance of absolute integrity in everything. The next day, he got on a bus in that town, and he paid the bus fare. And when he began to count his change, he noticed that there was 25 cents extra that he had been given. It was too much. So he went to the bus driver, and he said to him, You accidentally gave me too much change. And the driver said to him, It wasn't an accident. He said, I deliberately gave you too much change to see what you would do. He said, I was in your audience last night. And I wondered, do you practice what you preach? He said, I determined in my mind, if you return the quarter, I'd come and listen to you again tonight. How many of us want a Christian life that is worth listening to? Right? How many of us want a Christian life that people say, there's a life that is worth listening to? Brothers and sisters, that's what you have when the belt of truth is on. That's what you have when the belt of truth is on. And you are prepared to meet the enemy. And you are prepared to...
to use all the other pieces of armor in the armor of God. And so let's ask the Lord this morning to help us put on the belt of truth. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you this morning. You have given us all the equipment we need to live this Christian life in the power and strength of the Lord. You have not sent us into the battle defenseless. You have equipped us with all we need. And yet, Lord, we have a responsibility. There is an act of obedience and commitment and faithfulness that we must take. And the armor of God does not work automatically. But when it is used with wisdom, it is supernaturally effective. And, O oh God, help us now today, each one of us, to gird our waists with truth. In all that we believe, and then how we live. We love you, Lord, today. We thank you so much. For Jesus' sake, amen.